Good morning. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We are reading the Bible together, the whole thing, one chapter at a time, and we are almost done with this first part of Isaiah. We are already staring down Isaiah chapter 38. Only only this and one more chapter, and then it's a whole new section of Isaiah, um, and we'll have to talk about that pretty soon, just about how really a whole different thing in perspective. But but today we're still in the midst of this historical section, which is just one of my favorite parts of Isaiah talking just in really specific terms about what happened to Hezekiah and, you know, everything going on, the dramatic speech from the Assyrians and what was God going to do to get them out of the siege. And now in chapter 38, very suddenly we hear that Hezekiah has become sick. It's a life-threatening illness. What's going to happen to him? And you have a little bit of the story here. And then after the story, there's this there's this psalm. Um, it doesn't occur in the Psalter as far as as far as I'm aware, but it's a it's a, just a beautiful psalm, one of like lamentation, but also praise um, from the lips of Hezekiah about the healing that he receives from God. So very cool chapter, just expanding on what was what was already a very interesting um, story in the life of God's people, and particularly the life of the king Hezekiah. And joining us today, we have one of our regular guests. We've got Pastor John Lekumski from Southern Illinois here, also the host of Wrestling with the Basics, which you can catch Saturdays at 9 o'clock Central Time. Good morning and welcome, brother. Good to have you with us. Yeah, yeah, good to be here. And and I apologize, we're a little logy, AJ, because you, you talked about wrestling with the basics, and we just finished recording two of those episodes before I now came in here to be with you to record <laughs> thy strong word. But we'll try to do boom, our boom, best. Boom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, you know, maybe maybe there's like something that, uh, that you that you had from wrestling with the basics that, you know, sparks a thought or something like that. You know, AJ, um, it's, sometimes it's that way, isn't it? Sometimes the Lord leads you yeah. somewhere and think, oh, I see where that applies to what we, we got going on here as well. Uh, yeah. Although the, the, the question that, I, that I'm going to bring up right away at the beginning, and I don't know whether you want to read some of the text and then deal with the question, is, is we've got to decide what the time framework is for this particular story. Because, uh, as you said, we've got this nice little historical insert uh, within uh, uh, the book of Isaiah. And, and what we just had last time is, of course, the defeat of the Assyrian invasion, invasion uh, the death of, of uh, King Sennacherib. Uh, but so does this happen, what we have here, immediately after that? are during that, are before that. That's the thing that the commentators wrestle with. And it will make a difference in how we kind of interpret Hezekiah's illness and maybe the purposes and reasonings of God uh, by allowing that illness to come into his life. So anyway, that's I'm just putting that up front. I, I think we need to talk about that at some point. So Yeah, that, no, that, that's, that's helpful. Yeah, no, that is always something that you're trying to, you know, as we try to appreciate things in their immediate context and understand them, in, in the life and times of, of the people there before we go and kind of make the jump and apply it to us. Right. Um, yeah. Like, you know, how does that actually all fit together and what, what is the timeline uh, so to speak? So, and, and I really appreciate what you say, applying it to us. Cause, cause what I always do, and honestly, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret here, AJ. I actually mm. like these historical things better than, than more of the prophetic things that we had the, the last few times we were together with Isaiah. Mm -hmm. 
because I think it's easier for me to see the application because what I do is I put myself in Hezekiah's spot. Right. I know I'm not a king, but but he's a sinner like I am. And I wrestle with, well, okay, what's going on with this for Hezekiah? And then probably I can see those kind of reflections in my own life as well. Right. Uh, well, well, anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, no I, I definitely feel you. I, I, John, I myself really, um, I, I have an easier time with just stories and narratives too. Yep. You know, it's yep. one of the reasons why I just... I love the Gospels because oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're stories, right? And like it's just it's just easy to follow people and characters and situations, right? And some I mean, I like the poetry. The poetry is very cool, um, you know. But it, it, there's a lot of trying to you know parse out the meaning and, and putting the metaphors together. And there's something nice about the story. It, it's it's really cool that Isaiah has both, and that today we actually have a little bit of both. We got a little bit of story, a little bit of poetry. Um, not not actually prophecy here, but like a psalm in the middle of it. So yeah, it's nice yeah. To have that, and the psalm is the psalm is beautiful too because it's very very personal, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and you can see Hezekiah reflecting on the things that's happened in his life. And I'm thinking well, that we can take that psalm then and reflect on the things happening in our life as well. But but I'd still prefer the story part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, def- I definitely yeah. can sympathize. Well, all right. Well, let's go ahead and get to this really cool story part. So would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening then? Yeah. And, and oh Lord, as AJ and I've already mentioned, help us to hear this as something you want to say to us, that this text is all about us, that you have a word, perhaps of warning, perhaps of comfort, but whatever it is, it's a word you're speaking to, to all of our listeners and, and open our hearts and minds to see that as we read here from Isaiah chapter uh, 38. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so let's go ahead and read the first few verses here. Um, you know, there's a couple parts, man. When we get to that sundial part, see, that's oh, what I yeah. thought you were going to bring up because that's the part where everyone's like, hang on, what? Um, so maybe we'll save that for just a second and we can just maybe read the first six verses and try to talk about the situation. I I think that would be perfect because that's actually the sixth verse that that causes the puzzle in terms of the time framework. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. All right. So here's the first six verses then of Isaiah chapter 38. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah, the son of the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. So so the problem is, uh, uh, in chapter 37, we had the defeat of the Assyrians, right? They were besieging the city. Uh, They get driven off, by, by the way, not by the act of man purely, entirely by the work of God without any help from Hezekiah or any of the people there in the city. Uh, In fact, we have this rather 
sad story. Or I guess it depends on your perspective. Maybe it wasn't sad. Maybe you're glad to see the king of the Assyrian Sennacherib have his head cut off by his own sons. Yeah. <laughs> but so so every commentator I read said, well, obviously then this is kind of like a flashback. That's that's what they call it in television, right? So we're kind of going back to an incident that happened during the Assyrian invasion, or maybe even right before the Assyrians besieged Jerusalem. Uh, because what else could it mean when when he concludes by saying, "I will deliver you in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria"? Right. So it sounds like definitely he's talking about something that happened before the ending verses of chapter thirty-seven. So I'm set with that, AJ. I'm feeling comfortable with that. And then I thought, oh, you know, Luther. Luther actually wrote on about Isaiah thirty-eight. So let's see what Luther has to say. <laughs> it, it could, you know what Luther says, don't you? No, Actually, no. I don't. What, what, what does he say? Well, on this he one? says, no, no, this a- happens after, after Sennacherib <laughs> has been defeated, after the verses of, of chapter 37. Yeah. And they, oh, well, thanks, Luther. Now you've just left me confused. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. Have you got, <laughs> see, if I hadn't read that, I wouldn't be confused uh, at all. Right. Have you I got know. an opinion? So you opinions. got a feeling one way or the other, AJ? Or? I do. I okay. do have a feeling. Um, and it's, we'll see, and my, my feeling, right, is not, um, um, really informed at all by the facts of history or the logic of um, any of, of those who can study these events in detail and understand these things. Uh, my opinion is just based on verbs and grammar ah, and morphology. You, yes, and you're that's the my language whole, guy. That's my okay, whole thing. tell us, tell us. <laughs> no, seriously, I know that. And that's your, that, and that's the wonderful gift that God has given you. So, what what do you see in the in the language here? Okay, well, so in in verse one. Um, a couple of things. One, it does not start with the word and. It no, doesn't signal no. like, and then this happened, right? It says, in those days. Right. And, and that's the actually a pretty literal translation of what you have in the Hebrew. And then the key thing for me is that the verb then is what we call, in Hebrew anyway, it's a perfect form. Okay. And, and and when you want to say, and then this happened next in Hebrew, that's not the form you use. Um, it, it's this kind of consecutive form. Um, it looks different. It's, it's longer than this. Um, it's kind of based on a different pattern, different conjugation. This pattern is not the, then this happened next. Okay. This is kind of like around that time, Hezekiah had become sick. I I think if you kind of go pluperfect, that's our technical term that we use sometimes (laughs) pluperfect. Yeah. Just throw that word around. Uh, Um, but yeah, but basically flashback. Um, is is a really good way of putting it, I think. I think it's just kind of zooming in on something that had happened around that time. I think that's what the grammar itself is saying. Yeah, So, so but see, again, and, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the pluperfect. People are probably going, huh, what? <laughs> but but see, people don't understand that, that there are these, these verb forms in the Greek and in the Hebrew that are so wonderful and marvelous, and we really don't have English equivalents for them. And so sometimes the English translation seems just so, so inadequate because the English translation here simply became which would imply that it is kind of a thing that followed. How would you have translated this? How would how would you translate the pluperfect there? Um, around that time, Hezekiah had become sick or okay. had gotten sick. Yeah, had become. Yeah, see that. Uh, uh, well, so so here's here's the thing. Uh, depending on where you put it, it's going to put a little bit of different spin on why Hezekiah gets sick. 
Uh, so Luther putting it as a, a sequential event, and I like right. your, I like what you're saying there, and I, I can see that in the in the language, but but Luther put it in that context. So the problem was, uh, Sennacherib. Well, actually, see, even Luther is not sure because he says it's one of two problems. One, either Hezekiah has become really proud now because mm. the Assyrians have been defeated. And so mm. it's God kind of coming in and say, well, well, no, no, Hezekiah, no, no, you, you shouldn't be proud here. You shouldn't right. be confident. No, 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 no. So I'm going to send this illness to you to just remind you that I'm the one that delivered you. You shouldn't be putting your faith in yourself. Although later on, when, when, when we get in the text, Luther implies that maybe Hezekiah still didn't trust the Lord. Because, you know, have you ever had that happen? You've ever had anything good happen to you, uh, AJ? And then you're still thinking, yeah, but something bad's going to happen yet. <laughs> mm, sure, sure, right. We're well, kind of not, we're, like, we're, the worst hasn't yet fallen on yeah, us, Yeah, so, right? so like, you've done one good done thing here, God, but no, the problems yeah. are still there. Something else is going to happen. Uh, and, and so then that's Luther's understanding of why he talks about the Assyrians, you know, uh, will be defeated. Because he's saying, no, no I, I already took care of Sennacherib. You don't need to worry about his two sons. No, the Assyrians are never mm. going to come and, and attack you again. And, and it is remarkable because they don't, <laughs> you know, that, that, that there's, there'll be no more problems with the Assyrians. They will mm -hmm. never have troubles with them again. Of course, we know the Babylonians. That's another story. So, so, right. so that's one interpretation. So God's sending the illness either to, to humble Hezekiah or to say, Hezekiah, come on, even after I've delivered you from this uh, great king, you still have doubts about me? But if you put it in the framework you said, where, where this is happening either before the Assyrians or perhaps even during the Assyrian invasion, it's also something I've experienced, AJ, where, where you know the old saying, well, at least it can't get any worse. And then you know <laughs> right. what happens. It it gets, yeah, worse. It gets worse. And, yeah. and, and I've been there. I, I don't know if you've been around long enough, AJ. You're a little younger than I am. But <laughs> I've had all kinds of problems. And then it's like the Lord says, oh, you think that's bad? And then he gives me something on top of that. Did it to Job, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. I've come to the conclusion, AJ, I think we can take any one of those. And if our listeners find themselves in any one of those situations, I think there are words of comfort to be found in them here. Right. Uh, um, so anyway. Yeah. No, John, I appreciate that. And I, and I think that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I really, really do imagine, you know, Hezekiah just in the midst of this, it's like, you know, his sickness, right, is like, it's like symbolic of what's going on. Actually, we had that language earlier on in Isaiah, if you recall, it was like way back when, I think it was like back in the single digits, but the description was of Judah as one who is sick from head to toe. Oh, okay, right, cool. Illness, right? Yeah. And that's really, that's really fascinating to consider that, you know, God looked at the spiritual condition of his people and they were sick with sin, right? Like one that was about to die. And here is Hezekiah also literally sick, right? And so it's really interesting to kind of see that as like, hey, you know what, when God, and this this is the thing that actually uh, I think is going to go ahead and determine how I go on this decision. Okay. He goes and he physically heals Hezekiah, and when he physically heals Hezekiah, he spiritually heals his people, which is a prefigurement of the resurrection, that when God raises his son literally physically from the dead, he is spiritually raising his people from the dead. 
and and so see that's and, and yeah so that's the point isn't it so so whether and we all have this we get sick these things come into our lives and, and whether it be because God's humbling us because maybe we've got a little cocky maybe it is because we just really haven't been trusting in the Lord you know that's the problem we 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 take all these blessings for granted and we begin to think it's just how life is and so sometimes God has to kind of shake you up maybe it is because we're already struggling and the Lord says you know, I can literally deliver you from anything. And, right. and you think that I have to deliver you from this. Oh, no, I can actually let some more things happen. But but you're right. It isn't the point in the end. It is Jesus Christ who steps in and who heals us physically and spiritually. And, and I love the reference to the resurrection because ultimately we're going to die. And it doesn't get much worse than that. Or at least that's what we think. But Jesus says, nah, that's no big deal. Right. I can, I'll take care of that even. Death is still not... Right. Uh, the 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 victor. I will be the victor even over death. Yeah. Well, and and, and certainly, um, you know, the man. This this psalm is quite a meditation or reflection on death in the first part, um, and just dealing with that and pleading uh, that God would save his life. Um, you've. It's interesting, you know, in this context also when you're when you're talking about you know sin and being spiritually sick or spiritually dead. Um, you know, and, and you think to yourself, like, what was going on in Hezekiah's life, right? And um, I think it's in I think it's in Chronicles that you kind of get a little bit of a description that Hezekiah had become proud. Um, that you and get, that's probably where Luther is getting his mm-hmm. interpretation. Then, yeah, okay, yeah, because Luther's probably putting a couple different things together, and um, you know, and, and he's looking at you know he's looking at the Hebrew, he's looking at the Greek and the Septuagint, and that's a little bit different. And so he's, he's, you know, guys, a lot of different things in mind here. But one of the things that also might be good to, to put your, uh, to put to call to mind anyway, is back, it was a few chapters ago when, and I just, uh, the, the speech that the Assyrians give at the gates of Jerusalem. Oh, it's so yes. dramatic. It's yes. like good stuff that would make a really good movie. Like yeah. the siege of Jerusalem, man, somebody, somebody make it, you know, 20, 2022, you know, like a really awesome movie. Um, anyways, like, so in this speech that the Assyrians give, right? Um, I mean, what is, what is it they says here? It's like, oh, you know, he's like, he's, well, first of all, he's just, he's bad mouthing, um, Hezekiah, right? Like, yeah. oh, you know, like what you, you're going to trust in Hezekiah, this guy. And like, you've trusted in Egypt and look how easily we dealt with them, you know, and like we were on to you guys, but it's so interesting. What does he say? You know, he says lots of things against Hezekiah, but he says particularly the the Assyrian messenger back in uh, chapter thirty six, verse seven. Here, he says, "But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, <laughs> is it not He whose high places and altars Hezekiah has removed, saying to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar?" you know, and, and of course there's questions about like, do you really believe the the things that the Assyrian is saying? Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe not. Okay. But if you were to believe him in this moment, um, it, it sounds like Hezekiah has not been totally above board and faithful that he has, I mean, cause we got to remember he ruled with his father Ahaz yep. yeah. for several years. And we know Ahaz wasn't about building altars for the Lord. No. You know, he was leading them down into Baal worship. And so I don't know. I do think that in a lot of ways, this lines up to make sense to say that, that Hezekiah was going along with what his father was doing, was supporting um, Shebna's pro-Egypt alliance plan, all this stuff. And that for a time, he was not nearly as faithful um, as he would be later 
after the siege was resolved and after he was healed. You know, and, and see, that raises another thing we need to talk about this. So, so basically, you know, Isaiah has come and said, you better get your house in order because you're dying. And yeah. then we have, have Hezekiah's prayer. And of course, as Lutherans, the thing that makes us uncomfortable is, let's see, where is that, that prayer where he says, please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done good uh, in your sight. And so you're kind of implying that maybe that wasn't really as accurate a prayer as you might think, yeah. <laughs> this faithfulness and this mm-hmm. uh, doing good in your sight. And, yeah. and, of course, Hezekiah still weeps bitterly. Um, yeah, I, I bet that Hezekiah thought, you know what, I've, I'm doing a lot better than my father, right? You know, well, he which, is. Let's which, admit which, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Which but in that's a lot of ways, not a great it, thing to say either, because Ahaz well, was well, not. Well. <laughs> yeah, he's not your yeah, model of leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, so right. So that's just the thing. It's like, I, I think that Hezekiah legitimately had reason to say, hey, look, you know, compared to the old man, like I've, I've not gone along <laughs> with some of that stuff. Okay. You know, God, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. I saw, I saw when my dad did that and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. That's, that is no good. So, I mean, he had some things to say, right. But I think it's kind of like what you were saying, like where God's like Hezekiah, you need to go through a little bit more to understand that you need to rely on me fully. You do not rely on me nearly as much as you think you do. And, and that part of the reason he's letting him go through this is to show him that um, he's not really as righteous as he, as he thought he was. You know, AJ, I tell you what, sometimes the spirit of the Lord just overwhelms you because you are absolutely right. I had not thought of that particular application. But see, that hits home because how often do we do that? Well, I am better than the other guy. Right. right. <laughs> and God says, no, that's probably not going to get you into heaven. It certainly won't get you into my good graces being better than the other guy. And, right. and, and so Luther has this really cool insight. So God answers this, right? And, and, and thank you for pointing out, yeah, maybe Hezekiah, you're not quite as righteous. You're not quite as good in your sight as what you think you are. But Luther points out, uh, so the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, and, and he says, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, which we probably should comment about that too. Uh, but it says, I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Uh, and Luther points out, God doesn't say anything about the the righteousness or his faithfulness, rather. He doesn't say True. anything about what has been done good in your sight. No, that's not why God is responding to his prayers. But he did see the tears. He did see yeah. the tears. And that's what moved God to compassion. Uh, not anything that Hezekiah had done previous to this, even if he was better than his old man. Yeah. But but no. Well, isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't that fascinating, though? Because it was actually just back in the last chapter, in Isaiah chapter 37 here, when, when God's talking about, okay, am I, what am I going to do with Jerusalem? Here's yeah. the Assyrians. Yeah. Okay. And what does he say in verse 35 of the previous chapter? For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so, so isn't, isn't that something, okay? So Hezekiah is like, hey, look, didn't I do better than the old man, God? Please, like, you know, see my righteousness and, and give me healing. And, and God is, in, in a way, saying like, um, okay, so you think you're better than your father? Well, you're not better than your father, David. And see, actually, not even for your sake, but for his sake, will I heal you, right? I mean, this, wow, this, that's just, it, it really just inverts Hezekiah's pride, right? And, and you do see in that way that th- there, there really is something spiritually wrong with Hezekiah, and to what extent he went along with 
the idolatry of his father. We're, we're not sure. It seems like, you know, there's probably some truth to what the Assyrians said. So there was something wrong there, but there was also this, this pride that is mentioned in Chronicles and, and God had to rescue him from that as well, not just the physical ailment. And so, you know, his prayer, as, as you were saying, as Luther points us out, is, is that, you know, it, it's not even just because of, of him. It's, it's because of David, and it's because of God's own sake. And when it says because of David, it's probably not even because David was so righteous. No, but just because no. God made a covenant yeah. with David, He said that David's throne is never is never it's never going to end. His his rule and reign will continue forever. It's just which is basically again just because of Himself. So and, it's ultimately it's only because of God's own name and, that and, He does and, any of this stuff. And that, of course, is the impact of David because. Well, David was. He was. He was the best king they had. But he was an adulterer. He was a murderer. Really? Do you honestly think that I do anything because of people? No. But as you said, I do things because I made promises to David. And Mm now, you you know, he's your father. And and, and, and I'm the God of David. And that's why you rely and trust on me. Uh, And so even when you don't pray really the way you should have prayed, I heard your tears, though I saw the tears, rather, and, and, and that's why I'm acting, because that's the kind of God I... And what a great comfort for us, AJ. So we don't need to worry about how good our prayers are. I mean, we shouldn't obviously be praying like a Pharisee. Thank God I'm not like other men. No, that probably will not evoke the answer you want. Uh, yeah, right. uh, but, but yeah, even even when our prayers are... And they're never... They're not. We are. We're sinners. Our prayers, but God still hears us. That's what's remarkable about this text. And AJ, that's thank right. you for helping me see that even clearer than what I I thought I saw it when I started. So, yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you bringing in the the, the Luther there because he, he does. I think um, you know, he, even if he is kind of like unsure about what to do with the timeline exactly, yeah. uh, his insights though about like the spiritual condition <laughs> and about righteousness, right? Those those are those are spot on observations from Luther. Well, now so. see, I want to say something. This is about Luther too, and it shows that even men like Luther, you know, they're sinners too. Because you know, if you ask Luther, you say, "Oh no, I'm I know exactly what I'm saying about the timeline." There's no doubt about what I'm well, saying here. <laughs> but that's okay, Luther. All right. We, yeah. Yeah. So all yeah, of us need to remember yeah. we're sinners and be humbled. Yeah. 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 So in, in, indeed, indeed, John, that's yes, we all do need that. Well, and, and if we, if we didn't think that we needed to be humble, we're about to see a good reason to be humble because yeah. here comes yeah. cha- uh, verses seven and eight. And, um, <laughs> I, I, I know that this humbles me anyway, so I'll just ask you what you make of it. What, what, um, what, just one real quick comment before we read sure. seven and eight, because I just want to share with a personal thing here. Cause I know people, people, people who are truly Christian worry about pride. They worry about it, which is yeah. a, as a good sign. Uh, the guy that doesn't worry about pride, that's the guy that you should worry about. But I've always told people when have come to me and, and they're saying, yeah. I always, I, that's never been an issue for me because whenever I've been proud, the Lord has always taken care of that. <laughs> <laughs> he has a good way of making me out to be the fool that I really am. So, yeah, as long as you understand that that's a sin and you've got a concern for it, somehow the Lord, he'll humble you. Trust me, that's not an issue. He'll do that. But then again, it's nice to know he does it out of love. So, I, all right, I'm ready to go. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, so, uh, so on a note of humility, here we, here we go boldly into verses 7 and 8 here. So, okay, God promises he's going to defend the city. He's, he's adding 15 years to Hezekiah's life. All right, here's verses 7 and 8. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz turn back ten steps. So the sun turned back on the dial 
10, the 10 steps by which it had declined. Okay, no, no, what no. do you make of that, John? Go. Well, see, I'm going to ask you because you're, you're the language guy. I asked you first. Well, so the thing is, is and Luther comments on this too, and, and that always tickles me uh, because the Hebrew here, everything in this chapter really are a lot of things are, are really, really obscure. And, and Luther yeah. makes that note too. I, I know there's uh, one interpretation I read was that there was like this stairway or something and so it literally is, you know, a sun comes down a stairway, kind of tells where the shadow is, how what day it is, and so maybe it has to do with this stairway that had been built by uh, Ahaz. Uh, then, then another one suggested that maybe there literally was a sundial that he had set up, and again set up not as a good thing, but kind of as a worship of the 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 false gods. And I don't know. So AJ, what, what, is there anything in the language that does kind of give us a better understanding of what? I mean, obviously we got a miracle going on here, but. Uh, beyond yeah. that, yeah. Well, that's that's a great question, and uh, it's time for a break. Okay, and, uh, <laughs> good. I'm glad you're watching the clock. <laughs> no, I really, actually, I do think we are like a little bit over time. But all right, well, let's take a short break, and, and uh, I will, I will give my take on it for whatever it's worth. So everybody, hang with us here. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 38 on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're joined today by Pastor John Lekomsky from Southern Illinois, host of Wrestling with the Basics, which you can catch on KFUO Saturdays at 9 o'clock Central Time. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 38, and yeah, there's a couple of these things that really make people scratch their heads here. The first, you know, how do you read this illness of Hezekiah? You know, I'm saying based on the language and some other things that it makes sense to say this is before the siege. So it's kind of like God rescues Hezekiah while also rescuing the people and rescuing the city kind of like at the same time, like it's a flashback. But but then, right, we have this question of this, this sundial. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And and um, and, and you and John, you were just bringing up and this is um, this is good. Because the commentators do mention that the normal wor the word that's used here for sundial in the Hebrew, it normally means like a stairway, okay. like stair steps. That's what it usually means when you look at it in the in the Old Testament. Now that all by itself doesn't really actually mean much 
really, because I mean, it doesn't matter what a word usually means or what it means more often than not. It means what matters is what it means in this context. Right. 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 <laughs> um, I have trouble getting my wife to understand that because my wife, she <laughs> wants to go to the dictionary. I say, sweetheart, the dictionary is written off the books. The books aren't written off the dictionary. That's, that's <laughs> it's right. What, it's how it's that's used right. here. You know, they, they, when they're writing, they didn't go to the, oh, I wonder what this, no, no, that's not how it works. That, but, that, that, yeah. That's right. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you can't use the dictionary to tell someone what they really meant when they said something. <laughs> That's right. No, no, no. What you really meant, according to Miriam Webster, right? No, no it doesn't work that way. No, no. Um, no. Yeah, so so that's, but but there is, I mean, the, the problem is when something is obscure and yeah. you honestly just don't even know what it means, you're like, well, let's play the odds, right? And so, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think that's why a number of commentators just go in that direction that they just say, say, well, you know, we don't really know what this means. So probably if we had to guess, means something about a stairwell, right? Yep. Um, yep. As as far as you know, the actual the actual like language here, I mean, I don't I, I don't know if there's anything that that really clearly points you in either direction. Like, you know, like we saw in verse one there was that that perfect, which is yes. really like a pluperfect, right? Like that was, you know, kind of something that was, it made clear sense of it, I feel like. Here, actually, it's, um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just kind of like, it just kind of reads pretty much the way it's translated in English pretty, pretty literally that, you know, there's this promise um, that God's going to do this, and then it did that just like had been said. So we were just kind of left wondering, like, but but what is it that happened? Yes, yeah, what what is it, yeah. yeah so, I mean, I don't know what. So if it is a stairwell, I, I don't know what anything has to do with anything, honestly. If it's a sundial, that makes sense to me, though, I mean, I'm just like, okay, then, so what did it, did time miraculously go 10 minutes? I mean, is this just time travel? Like it went 10 hours earlier. Um, I mean, that kind of is one reading of it. The thing that comes to mind for me anyway, is that it's called the dial of Ahaz. Um, and so I don't know, maybe this is a cop out, maybe not. So you tell me what you think, John, but, okay. but, but when I think about this, like I think of Ahaz as someone who is like, actually, I think we've talked about this before, the whole minutes to midnight thing, mm-hmm. you know, like we, there's people who have like the doomsday clock, like, oh, you yeah. know, it's yeah. once it reaches midnight, that's going to be just like all the nukes come out. Right. And just civilization as we know it is over. Right. And so people like, you know, when they're saber rattling and, you know, um, people in North Korea start talking a big game, you know, we, we, we get closer to midnight. And then, you know, when there's some kind of like arms deal that's like reached, you know, some kind of um, denuclearization plan, you know, that we gain some minutes back, right? Um, Actually, you know, and we not too long ago had a um, fall fall back as far as the time shift, right? Um, In in the United States, it's it's almost like that is the way I want to read it. Like, it's like, you know, Ahaz was bringing the people of Judah closer and closer to midnight when God was going to have to say, wow, because of this wickedness, because of this sickness, I'm going to have to wipe you out, Judah. But in this moment here, Hezekiah's prayer has been answered, and so God is adding 10 hours to their time, right? Like saying, like, you know, okay, your, your, your judgment and your destruction has been delayed. The, the judgment merited under Ahaz because of, you know, Hezekiah's prayer and the, and the mercy I'm extending to him, okay, you've got yourself a little bit more time, which is then ultimately why they're preserved 
from the Assyrians and their destruction doesn't actually land on them until the Babylonians. So that that's kind of like what I, I want it to mean because you know, it makes a lot of sense to me, but maybe that's just way off. I don't know. What do you think? John? All right. Well, I, I honestly, AG, I really like that interpretation. I, I like that interpretation because first of all, like you said, it's interesting that it is the dial of Ahaz. Yeah. Uh, again, we're not sure what we're talking about, but, but to bring Ahaz back into the context, I think right. you're right. This is a reminder, man, how close, how easily I could have just destroyed you all because you mm-hmm. had fallen so far, but no, 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 things are a little bit better now. Hezekiah is not perfect. We've reminded him of that. Right. And I think it goes good with what happened with Hezekiah. I'm going to give you not an eternity. Right. No, 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 no. You're not going to live forever uh, because you're a sinner. The wages of sin is death. That hasn't changed. Of course, I'm going to take care of that too, Ahaz, and you know that if you know the promises I made to David about the throne being forever. Uh, But yeah, 15 years, we'll give you 15 years. And I'll tell you the third reason I like that, AJ, because I think it's intentionally obscure. I think if God wanted us to know what this was, he would have made sure that he did use something out of the dictionary. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but I think he, he does, the point is God likes to use signs. That's the mm-hmm. point. Let's not mm-hmm. worry about what the particular sign was or whether it was however to be interpreted. We just need to know that God likes to use signs. And we might say, well, God, why? Because you give us the word. Isn't the word enough? Well, sure, the word is enough. But he wants us to have faith that he says, I'll give you signs. Too. In fact, we go back to Ahaz himself. That was the problem, right? I want to give you a sign, Ahaz. Oh, I don't want a sign. So to our listeners, that's what I would say. God has given you some pretty decent signs, and and, and we know what they are. There's no lack of clarity that he's given us the sign of baptism. He's given us the sign of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and, and if you do want to do this as some kind of miraculously setting back of time, well, I'm telling you what, the miracles of baptism and the miracles of the Lord's Supper, they're they're far more miraculous than any little dealing with the shadows. Because, right. I mean, it's his body and blood for you, for the forgiveness. And, and what did Paul say about baptism? You're united with Christ in his death, and you will there be united with him in his resurrection. So uh, right. so anyway, that that's the thing I would emphasize. God loves to give us signs, and man, right. we should be thankful because you you think hezekiah had a cool sign our signs they're they're really far better yeah no yeah no that's right that yeah that the the sign that we the signs that we have are a lot more significant than 10 hours or 15 years but as you were saying for an eternity and yeah and, and i think that um in this context it could still function as a sign. I guess that's one thing, right? Yeah. That you don't, yeah. Want, you don't want to betray the context because in the context, this is supposed to be something that I, that that Isaiah is promising that Hezekiah will see, and then when he sees it, he says, "Oh, okay. So I guess that what Isaiah told me is really true." Yep. Right. Yeah. So I mean that that is, there is a logic in the context, and we don't want to just you know kind of metaphorically stretch things out so that they make sense to us, but they don't fit in the context anymore, right? And, and so here's the thing. If you do take it, this is kind of like what I'm suggesting anyway, it could be that the idea is like, okay, look, when you see Hezekiah that the city does not fall, right? When you see that I have given Judah some time, and that the armies are going back home, and that you know, like, hey, you know, you got, you got, you know, kind of 10 metaphorical hours, so to speak, right? When you see that the city is saved, that will guarantee to you that you're going to survive this illness and that you're going to get better, Right. And so I, I do think that it could still function as a sign in that respect that like Hezekiah, when he sees the Assyrians walk away, he's like, I'm really going to get better, aren't I? I'm actually I'm not going to this isn't going to kill me. You, you know, so it I, I think I think there is 
that that could be a way that it still fits in the context potentially. But but like you said, I mean, it is it is just something that's genuinely humbling and a little bit obscure as far as the word goes. And um, you know, it, it's hard to be too cocky about and being sure about what it means really. But, but, but I like, I like what you're saying because you, as you, it does fit into the context and, and you can see Hezekiah seeing the things happen with the Assyrians and with Sennacherib and Hezekiah saying, Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Now I understand. Maybe it was obscure to him even, but now right. I understand. All right, right, right. God, you, you promised this, this is happening. And see, I can apply that to my life because I see God doing good stuff in my life all the time, all right. the time, even in the midst of the death, the limits mm-hmm. that come. Now I'm 66, 15 years. I'll go for 15 years. I'd like a little more than that. But but yeah, but still that the signs there that God is being faithful. Yep. Right, right. Well, and so so he has his experience. Um, he, he, he knows then that God has brought him through it. There's repentance in his life, you know, as he repents from his pride and the things that he had done, the things of his father that he had gone along with. And then we get in verse 9, there is this psalm that's introduced. And we do need to go through it a little bit of a decent pace here, but we can break it into two parts here. There seems to be a part of the psalm that kind of corresponds to before he was healed, and then a part of the psalm that kind of corresponds to after the healing has already come. So let's read the first chunk of this psalm of Hezekiah here, beginning in verse 9 in Isaiah chapter 38. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his illness. I said, in the middle of my days I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent, like a weaver. I've rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day to night, you bring me to an end. I calmed myself until morning. Like a lion, he breaks all my bones. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. All right. So pause there. This is like just the reflection that he's had. And the next part, he's going to actually make his request but yeah, I mean, it's it's just, wow, a very poignant reflection on just that experience of, I mean, it, actually the first verse of his, of his psalm says it well, in the middle of my days, I must depart. He, he's lamenting his life has been cut short. He thought he had more time and just like that, he doesn't. And, and don't you love verse 15? What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and him, he himself has done it. Yeah. I walk slowly all my years because of the... So I, what else can I expect? This is what God has said is going to happen, you know? What what hope is there? Uh, and, and, of course, I'm thinking, it's what the Lord said to me. He said, John, the wages of sin is death. If you think somehow you're going to get out of this, you're, you're not. And you're just biding your time until it comes. Uh, but, but what I really like about 
this set of verses is sometimes as Christians we feel this way. You, you can almost hear his his despair and like a lion he breaks all my bones. Uh, uh, like a weaver I've rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. I moan like a dove. Uh, my eyes are weary. Uh, but but see, you need to realize that when you're having feelings like that, God hasn't abandoned you. See, that's, that's the devil. He comes in and says, oh, see, you don't have enough faith. Yeah, there's the truth. Yeah, you don't trust in the Lord. No, no, when you're having feelings like that, you do just what he says, that he turns to the Lord. He says, he goes and prays to God. Look, I know I haven't got any faith. There's no doubt about that. I'm a sinner, but, but I know, I know you're going you're gonna to take care of me, even though I'm feeling these horrible, horrible feelings of doubt and depression. So that's why I just literally, really love this psalm. For everybody out there that's feeling, Feeling this, maybe even now as we speak, do not despair, because no, the Lord is still going to be faithful to you. Christians sometimes have feelings like this. One of my favorite verses from Paul is where he talks about sleepless nights. Mm-hmm. And that always comforts me because I have sleepless nights because I'm tossing and turning with all the things that are worrying me. And then I realize, oh, okay, I can do that. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> right, right. But, but it doesn't mean God isn't going to be faithful. It doesn't mean God isn't going to, in the morning, do what he promised he was going to do for me just because maybe I wrestled with a little bit uh, right. the night before. Yeah, yeah no, it, it reminds me of something I read um, in Luther that was just like, you know, he's comforted by reading this sort of thing in the Old Testament because— he sees, oh, okay, good. Um, God's people, it, it in a sense, it, it's okay, but it's not okay. We, we yeah. you know, but yeah. it's like it's okay that I have doubts or that you know I have these moments of of you know anxiety or or that you know I have those sleepless nights. Like God's people, th- that that's what it, what it's what it's like. You know that yeah. that's what the path of faith is like. You know that it's not that those things don't happen. It's that God gets you through it. That those things um, aren't aren't the whole story, but that there is something on the other side of those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And exactly. so there is, there is something just comforting in that, that like we can relate to Hezekiah and say, Hey, look, there was healing for him. There's, there's going to be healing for me too. Yeah. So there's the sign for us. So you're not alone. This has happened before. Let's see how it all works out. Cause that's how it's going right. to work out for you too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the, the description that he has, it's, um, you know, I mean, like, you know, th- this poetry here, I mean, so that, that first part, like we said, you know, there's that, that um, you know, the cut, being cut off in the middle of his days, you yeah. know, that, that feeling. And, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, death is, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's, uh, I've reflected and I've heard the reflection sometimes people talk about an untimely death. Um, and you know, I, I think I heard it once said like, well, the thing is death is always untimely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not very often that somebody says like, oh, well, finally, you know, like, um, you know, <laughs> get me my coins for crossing the river sticks. You know, it's like, no one's really looking forward to that. Um, but the, so the way, the way he puts it right though, um, just, you know, th- that being surprised, like he says, like from day to night, you know, it's just like wow, it was just like the way that a day ends. It just, it happened really fast that all of a sudden he's on death's doorstep. And I, I wonder, you know, because this is something we're going to, uh, well, that we, that we might like to look at, but we probably just don't have time to, but you know, at the end of all of this, right, there's actually, we go back to the story and Isaiah says, okay, uh, go ahead and put this, I don't know what this, this kind of compress, this oh, kind yes, of yeah. um, right thing on his wound of, or, or injury or inflammation or something. Right. And like, we don't even know what that is, 
But you wonder if this is all happening during um, or, or leading up to like the stuff with Assyria, you know, is this, I don't, I don't know. Is, is this something that's maybe like a condition that's happened to him because of the siege, right? Because they're all walled up and no one's like eating right or getting like, you know, the right amount of water or whatever is like, so is it something like that? Or, I mean, I don't know exactly when during the the siege it's all leading up to. I mean, um, is it possible that Hezekiah was injured in all this stuff? I don't, I don't know, but like kind of regardless, it seems that, you know, he's probably had his mind uh, worried and set on other things. <laughs> and then all of a sudden this happens and it just, it brings him low fast, you know, just in the same way that in chapter 38, it's just like out of nowhere, we find out that Hezekiah had gotten sick. So th- I wonder if that's kind of like his, ex- his own experience, you know? Um, well, well, see, and AJ, I've had that experience too, where you've got a problem and again, mentally you're thinking, well, I know I need to trust in God, but I think I can kind of figure this out. I'll work on this. And then God adds that little bit of extra stuff. And then you suddenly realize, oh no, no, this was never anything that I could solve, but it was something that the Lord always was going to, I'm thinking of Jesus crying, uh, <laughs> take this cup away from me, but not my will, thy will be done. And we need to reach that point. We don't like being in that point, but we all need to reach that point where it no it's just got to be in the lord's hands i i I can't solve this and again i'm not suggesting if there are things we can do that we shouldn't do them of course these are the means god has given us but i think we all need to be at that point of hezekiah realizing no the real big things in this world they're not in my hands but they are in the lord's hands and as we'll see in these next verses the lord really can take care of all these things that we can't take care of right well, let's go ahead and read then the, the, the last uh, portion of the chapter here. So this is then the part where he actually makes his petition. He's healed afterwards, beginning in verse 16. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol does not thank you, death does not praise you, those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you, as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Now, Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil that he may recover. Hezekiah had also said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? I I, I think it is just really, really beautiful, this this middle part where he says, uh, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you've cast all my sins behind your back. Because if there was some problem at the beginning, as you alluded, A.J., that maybe there was a problem of pride, well, that's been taken care of, isn't it? Uh, like I said, the Lord humbles us, and he's humbled him, and he realizes, no, I, I'm i not really so much better than my father, am I? Right. But but that's the thing. That's I remember now, yeah. You, 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 David was not perfect either, but you loved him, you forgave him, uh, and that's what you're going to do for me. I mean, you're going to cast all my sins behind your back, so... Uh, devil quit making me despair because there's no doubt I'm a sinner, but that's what Christ came for, so that, that all could be. And and don't you love this first verse, O Lord, by these things men live. Now, I don't know how you interpret that, but but Luther and, and, and I, I, other commentators read, this is talking about the Word of God. This is talking about the promises of God. 
Mm-hmm. But when when you're when you're at this situation where life is a thing of despair, where else can you turn? There's no place else you can turn. You just got to go back to the, the the covenant you talked about earlier, yeah. the, the, the promises that God has made to us. You know, well, and quite a reversal that is on verse 15, right? Because oh yeah, I, I mean, in verse 15, he's sort of like. Well, I mean, what what am I going to do now? Because, okay, I'm going to die. Well, God's the one who said I'm going to die, right? And so <laughs> yeah. it's like, what am I going to do? Say, hey, God, could you not say what you just said? You know, I mean, I mean, you know, so he, on the one hand, he's sort of like, there's just, there's no fighting it because this is from God. And so I have no, there's no one else. There's no higher court of appeals I can take this to. Yeah. If God decrees it, then that's just it. Um, but on the other hand, right, he's going to go ahead and ask God anyway. Yes, <laughs> he's going to go ahead yes. and ask God anyway <laughs> because <laughs> it's by the word of God that we live. I mean, so there's 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 nothing else that could possibly save him, right? I mean, so th- th- this is the paradox, right? It's like nothing can nothing can save him except for God's word because God himself is the one who condemns him, but because God is also the one who gives life. And so faith is, right, like, you know, like Israel just, you know, attached to God's leg and won't let him go, even though he's <laughs> limp and barely hanging on, because I don't understand how this all works, but I'm not letting you go until you bless me. You know, faith is is that which just kind of hopes against hope um, and just and just won't let go. And, and so you, you have that kind of tenacity of faith there depicted, I think, in Hezekiah, uh, just a beautiful thing. And that faith comes from realizing that it's God who's not going to let hold of you. (laughs) And therefore, yeah. All right. I I always love that thing about Peter sinking in the water and, 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 uh, the gospel writer telling us that it was Jesus who reached out and grabbed him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's, so yeah, don't let the devil come and start making faith something you do. Cause then you will, you will literally, you will feel the things that Hezekiah is feeling here. You just, remember what the Lord has said, you know, I'm the one, I'm going to, I'm going to deliver you. Stick with my word. Uh, and then you will be able to boast. You'll be able to boast in your faith because you know, the faith isn't of you. It's of the spirit as, as Hezekiah said. Yeah. And these things, uh, this is the life of my spirit. He says, Oh, restore me to health and make me live. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, I mean, I, I really wish we could talk more about it, but I do appreciate brother that you helped us uh, you drew our attention to some really key questions that really can make us scratch our heads, but trying to make sense of how this all fits in together in Hezekiah's life and seeing how it certainly applies to to ours. So thank you for that. And but, but uh, AJ, real quick, to... don't don't you love that verse twenty? The Lord, the Lord will save me. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah. Amen. Good concluding words. Thank you, brother. Thank you, AJ. Everybody, that was Pastor John Lekumsky, Pastor from Southern Illinois and host of Wrestling with the Basics, Saturdays at 9 o'clock on KFUO Central Time. Thanks for joining us today, and we thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Check them out, lhfmissions.org. Till next time, everybody, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.